0: This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The Center for Disease Control in Washington D.C. has
1: issued viral outbreak warning. State and local officials have reported cases of high fever, nausea, death, and even cannibalism. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. Oh! I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a Substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you'd sign up for dispatches. There are different priced options, 5 quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substat.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I think, Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast
0: system.
1: Oh, shit. You're listening to a bonus episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon. And this is a Spook Media Production.
0: One day I carried 30 pounds of wood a distance of five miles. Another day, while hiding in the forest, I covered my eyes with makeup to see how they'd come out.
1: Sorry for the lack of episodes this last week, I normally try to get a handful of episodes up in the time since we last spoke, but I've been busy finishing my book, and I've been quite ill as well, but I'm on the mend now. The book's reading well, and I'm so very excited to share it with you, but for now, here's a bonus episode of the podcast, a bonus episode because the audio is a bit scratchier than I would bring you on a regular episode. And it's with the great Ulrika Spacek, the guitarist and vocalist of whom, that would be Rhys Edwards, I spoke to a few weeks ago on the eve of the release of his band's third record, The Excellent Compact Trauma, out now on Tough Love Records. I'll be back with a few more episodes this week, all being well, but for now, settle down and settle in for a pretty fun episode, I think. Are you in Dalston?
0: Uh, I'm currently in Stockholm, actually. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we lived in uh we lived together in Homerton for many years
1: all oh, right so you what you base in stockholm now I
0: am yeah oh, for the love what's that for like? the love
1: uh it's snowy right now
0: <laughs> um just really waiting for spring to be honest
1: coldest uh, place I ever went was stockholm
0: was it mm, mm. I assume you went in winter time then
1: oh god um I, it was really early on being a music journalist and Mm. i used to write for metal hammer magazine and there was this glorious stroke weird period of my life where they would just send me to scandinavia like every like every week like twice a week so i can interview like people in corpse paint wow um it was fun but i mean it's weird like it's not really the kind of music that i like so
0: well they're quite connoisseurs here right
1: absolutely you know so and i i I love you know i love sweden finland um Mm -hmm. you know i'm trying to remember names of other places in scandinavia but i i I love you know i love that part of the world but it was it was weird and but i was so young and like so naive that i didn't uh and also i'm I'm from up north right so we don't feel the cold so it took me a while to realize just how cold it was and um yeah
0: it's certainly strange i mean i think when it's around zero degrees and wet and one degree, I mean, this is really the worst when it, when it's like minus five or something, as long as you, uh, protect your skin from the, you know, if you wrap up then you can kind of hide away from it.
1: I Um, mean, you've absolutely, uh, you, you've ruined how I was going to start this conversation, by the way, because because <laughs> I used to live in Dalston, and I, I lived there for years, and I very rarely get back now, so I was going to ask you what Dalston was like now. Um, but... Well, we never
0: lived in Dalston. We lived in Homerton, but I mean, we did spend a lot of time in Dalston, of course. I mean, but uh,
1: Homerton and Dalston's sort of much of a muchness, though, right?
0: Yeah, that's true, but you know, we kind of just stayed in the house a lot. Uh, but as you know, you know, lots of people move I mean, we lost our house and uh most people moved to Leighton and Wolfenstow and, and I just happened to go a bit further. It wasn't really that planned, but
1: So I'm I'm in Leighton. That's where I'm I'm mm-hmm. based now. But I hear that people move out to Leighton, but I've been here ten years, but I haven't really felt the the shift, you know, I haven't really felt the Um, brain drain from Dolson to to yeah
0: well I think what happens isn't it when you live in a shared house um, everybody kind of scatters trying to find a room and they and they end up going to different places and and in London sometimes you can get a bit you know disconnected you have to work a lot and yeah I know it's hard to see people sometimes
1: yeah I feel like being an adult in London is just making plans and then cancelling them and then making them again (laughs) and then cancelling them Uh, this shared house was this Ken
0: that's right, yeah.
1: Why was it Ken?
0: Um, so, I mean, it was a regular kind of shared house. It was a four-bedroom house that we had eight people in at the height of it. Right. Um, but uh, it's the one of the tenants before us actually did rip up all of the laminate flooring in the living room and made an art gallery and uh, called it the, the Ken Gallery. So I think it operated for a couple of months until the landlord found out and then kicked them out.
1: Where in Dolston was it?
0: Uh well as I said it was just at the end of uh, oh, sorry, well Hamilton. Yeah, at the yeah. end
1: of Wells Street.
0: Um so it was on Kenton Road. So I think that's maybe where Kent well obviously where Ken came from I guess.
1: Oh, right well that's that mystery solved isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was weird I don't know it was weird man like kind of knocking about around there. I mean during that period of time I was working at the enemy so it was kind of weird because it felt like after people you were writing about like lived in adjacent streets, so you'd see like Claxons mm. and New Young Pony Club walking about and all this sort of stuff. But at the same time, I never really—I don't know. I mean, I did—I did like it. It was a cool place to be, but I—I I always felt like crushingly uncool. But I—I I wonder. You never know what's going on in people's heads. Maybe maybe Claxons <laughs> felt like that as well.
0: Well, I think you just keep to yourself and do your own thing, right? That's always the best way.
1: Yeah, no, I've come to realise that. Um, so yeah how does being in Stockholm affect uh, rehearsing and recording and all that sort of jazz
0: Uh, I mean I'm back nearly every month to be honest at the moment uh, with the band Um, so we've been I mean it feels like we've been away but really you know we we were working very hard on this album for the last four years Um, I think obviously Corona made a little bit of a problem because there was definitely like nearly a year where we couldn't really meet up so much but it kind of works. I mean, I, I'm i quite, from a personal point of view, I feel quite blessed really that I can still feel so connected to London. Um, but when I step out and come back here, like I feel like a new sense of spring in my step. You know, I think Stockholm can be very depressing if you're stuck here and not really uh, going anywhere else because you do feel a little bit far north and off off the grid a bit. But that can also be good for artistry and, you know, writing music, I think.
1: I mean... You say it was you've been making working on this record for four years. I mean it does feel like it does feel like you've been away forever, but mm. then I also think that you know this if we sort of say the pandemic was really two years i mean I sort of feel like those two years maybe felt like twice as long as that so yeah, just, so maybe that kind of adds to you've been away for so long, but what uh, was it the pandemic that just stopped you following up the last record?
0: No, we we had the def- whales had come off a little bit before then. Um, I mean, essentially, I would say we started the record in two thousand eighteen and made very good progress. We were, we were all happy with it, uh, and I think it got to a kind of a seventy-five percent done level. And uh, I look, when I look back at that time as well, you know, I think we were under a bit of pressure with you know the other records weren't big enough that like we could take a break so you have this kind of pressure all the time now where it's like you have to do an album a year to be able to go on the road and I think we did an American tour which I think it's not yeah maybe it's a cliche that a lot of bands split up in America because by the time you you make it out there you know you have really been on the road for two years often and basically we were, we were kind of content with the record but it just didn't feel like it was at the level that we wanted it um Not everybody in the band wanted to do music uh, anymore. And we didn't know whether that was forever. Uh, um, You know, there was a few addiction problems in the band and we really needed to uh, take a pause. And then I guess where the pandemic didn't really help is when we kind of were ready to maybe work on it again. Suddenly we weren't able to be in the same room. Um, So I would say that last 25% was, was done... You know, by talking to a Trevor again on Zoom and sending WAVs and stuff, and I think, to be honest, I think when you get too close to a record, you know, you can lose sight. And uh, after, you know, maybe it was a year of inactivity. I would say, um, when you opened up the record again, it was just so easy to like be detached and and just take away the bits that you weren't so keen on and keep all of the bits you like and build from there. And I have to say, that was I'm really glad that happened because there would have been pressure maybe to put the record out when we were maybe thinking it was 75% done and it just wouldn't have uh, been as good as it should be and uh, we wouldn't have even been able to tour it anyway because Corona was just round the corner, which we didn't know.
1: I mean, it's uh, I I find myself that when I start projects and don't see them through and then when I return to them at a later date, uh, sometimes it blows my mind just how different my mindset is. When I finally get back to it, sometimes I'm just like, you know, it's 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 almost like easier to start again than to try mm-hmm. to salvage and take something from where you'd been before. It sounds it sounds a little bit similar in a way that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you in in the sense that you know, there's so many um, half ideas that you know I and we have, and and you open them up after a while sometimes, and you're like, what was I thinking? So it doesn't always work, but it was uh, this time. I have to say, it just felt fresh and uh and even though you know the record in many ways has its heart in 2018 uh it feels kind of fresh to me now but that's probably because i haven't listened to it for a while
1: (laughs) yeah i also think as well just the speed of life now as well like someone said what we're saying about the pandemic feeling longer than it maybe actually was but Mm. you know 2018 that just feels like the Dark Ages, or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're perhaps true. Yeah. Um,
1: you were saying about the some of the members not sure they, they wanted to make music anymore. Was that other Reese?
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: I mean, you were at school with him, right? it's, it's... Yeah.
0: I mean, many of the uh, members uh, we went to school with. Joe was at school with us. Uh, ben, who who played bass with us on the the first two albums. Um. He was at school with us as well. Right. So, yeah, I guess we do have a deep roots in uh, our childhood.
1: But have you managed to, I mean, are those still friendships, you know?
0: Oh, of or- course. Yeah, yeah, very oh, much. Right. Um, yeah, that that's not disputed. But, I mean, when someone doesn't want to do music anymore, you, you know, you can kind of wait for them for a while, but... Um, it just yeah, I mean, we see what happens. We haven't started writing the next record, so right. and uh, and he worked on the record with us. I think. I mean, I, I think maybe the idea of going on tour and doing it all again, I can understand why that can be, yeah, intimidating or not something you maybe want to do.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I can I can see that. Tell me about Oysterland. I find I'm um, I don't know. I've never been to a night, but I felt quite inspired reading and reading the testimonies of people who had been to a night
0: well i think when we started the band um we just didn't want to just take support slots and and try. we just wanted to start our own night from the start really um and i think we noticed i mean as you said about living in dalston or hackney like there was a hell of a lot of talented people around us who were working you know working as artists that maybe don't have that stage that a band has uh, you know, it's not hard to get a gig, but, you know, if you're a painter, it's it's kind of hard to find a place to exhibit your work. So it was just kind of supporting friends around us who did interesting things. Um, and we took over a, a pub that had seen better days, you know, like most pubs in London, they kind of go in waves. And it was just nice from the start to build something that was our identity. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of happy memories of that, of that period.
1: You've got some more nights coming up, though, right?
0: Yeah, so we we still do it. Like uh, I think now that um, we're going to be touring, it's going to be a bit more conventional, obviously. But um, yeah, the the last few months we've been doing nights again. Um, yeah, and I we I, I hope that we can do it. You know, continue in the future in different cities, really.
1: I, I mean, I tell you something I always find interesting is that bands that like I totally get like the the mindset that you've just described and. You know, I know there's lots of bands that I like that kind of start off doing very interesting things and then you kind of, you almost kind of get into the slog of it and it's kind of hard to kind of keep that up. Mm. Like, have you found that at all? Or, I mean, can you see yourself continuing to do almost like these sort of communal art projects to further you get into?
0: Well, I think, I mean, there's like a bit of an inside joke in in the band really that, somehow even though we have a bigger audience and you know there is more money potentially with with fees and stuff we still find a way of not making any money because of the ideas we want to do um right, right. which is kind of like a dark humor in the whole thing but um look I, I think this is also maybe why we took a break really because I think as I said when the wheels get turning on an album campaign you can kind of lose everything just goes too fast so and um, I think you know when it comes to quality control I, I think we are pretty on the ball really um, and hence why we we think about things I'd like yeah I'd like to think that anyway yeah
1: there's a band who there's a band that I've kind of followed all the way through called the Future Heads who I used, yeah. to, used to be uh, well you know they're some of my best friends but like when they started out like they would you know their, their first tour was of squats and they uh Sometimes you'd go see them play and they just wouldn't have brought any of their instruments, but they would be, like, miming. Uh, <laughs> so, sort of almost like a sort of 90s boy band or something. And uh, they were just, like, amazing memories. And But then, obviously, when you kind of, you know, when they signed a, you know, a major record deal and became, like, a relatively big band and, I don't know, it's like, much yeah. I understand that shift, but I also I kind of miss those days, really. So I guess that when I was reading about the way that, you, that your band did things. I was thinking, I really hope they continue just kind of not doing things in an obvious way.
0: Well, luckily for us, I mean, we work with, you know, our label and our management. Like, uh, we, we are an indie band in the truest, truest sense of the word, really. Like, we do everything ourselves. And uh, kind of the idea of not doing that is a bit terrifying, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think some bands obviously just when things get overwhelming, they just let go and let the industry take Cause you know, cause it is very much like a, a train that once it starts going, uh, you know, and, and in, in the same way that when some members of the band have left, you know, it's, it's been described a bit like a train is going and it's like, there's a stop coming and you're having a panic attack and you've just got to jump off the, when the doors open.
1: Um, This is such a job interview question, but what does, like, what does like, success look like to
0: you um well I wish I was more profound but I'm gonna I'm gonna quote uh, Leonard Cohen which is uh, survival really I mean if success is if you can keep doing what you want to do and express yourself in a way that you feel content as an artist is that a, is
1: that Leonard Cohen
0: yeah, that it's, a philosophy? it's on one documentary I saw I just thought it was a very beautiful uh, I mean he was very successful at the time as well which, um, but it was I thought it was really poetic and yeah, I took it to heart.
1: I think I've arrived at that point, but I also sometimes feel like, I don't know, almost like, it, is that almost taking... That should just be standard, right? Shouldn't it?
0: <laughs> uh, perhaps so. But, I mean, you can you can be commercially successful and kind of deep down hate what you're doing, I think.
1: Yeah, no. Um, I think that's definitely true. When, say, when are you touring the record? So... It's going to
0: be uh, end of May, early June. So, to be honest, it's uh, the dates are there. It's just there's some holes that need filling. Um, yeah, we're very much looking forward to announcing the tour. Um,
1: how's yeah. it? How's it rooted, or is that?
0: So, it'll be in the UK first, um, and then into Europe, and then uh, if everything goes well, we'll be going to America in in the autumn. Um, so. Yeah, I mean it is tough times out there really on the touring front. You know, you have a cost of living crisis. Um promoters everybody wants to tour um and promoters are going you know, to they're a little bit more conservative really
1: to what take you mean ri- by that?
0: Well, in terms of taking risks on bands that maybe don't sell as many tickets as other ones, you know, they're, they're always going to if there's a, a challenge between two bands, I'm sure that their interest is to take something that they know is more safe in terms of tickets. Right. so um i mean we're you know we're happy with the tour we we've def- some of the venues are places we've always wanted to play, and uh yeah, and we're just so grateful really that it seems that even though we've been away, like the interest in the band hasn't really changed much i mean if anything I'd say it's it feels like it's grown, which is uh yeah it's comforting
1: why do you think i mean I agree with you actually, but why do you think that is
0: um because I' think the records speak for themselves really um yeah. I mean, I, as I said, we were never really a band that was pushed down people's throats. Um, it kind of was this organic thing where, if, you know, if someone who likes it tells a friend. And uh, and we've, uh, we've always been quite lucky that it seems that a lot of musicians like our music. So I think if you're in a, a house party or something, then sometimes the musician in the room, people listen to them when they have tips, <laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs> okay. I think there's something... I don't know. I think there's something very musical about your band, without being overworthy. You know, it's mm. like um, I'm like I, I, I'm sure that a lot of the records that you like, I like. You know, yeah. It doesn't feel um, I don't know. It doesn't feel kind of guitar, kind of gu- guitar center esque. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. Doesn't feel, but at the same time, it's like I think people. It's a, there's obviously a, there's obviously a musicality to it.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um I, I just uh I just hope that it has uh this kind of layers and depth to it. So for instance, maybe why people still listen to the records is because they still find stuff in there that they maybe didn't notice in the past. Um and uh well, yeah, I don't know, who knows.
1: <laughs> when's uh, when's the record out?
0: It's tenth of March. Yeah. Be, uh, so it's uh Yeah, I mean, we tried a bit of a different tactic. You know, it's so often now that people announce their albums with like six, seven months. And I mean, I just find that so boring. Obviously, we're not big enough to just do like a drop, like a hip hop star or something where you just announce the album. But um
1: Take it from me as well as someone who writes about music. It's really irritating. I've had like, when I was at the NME, it just felt like radio, I did that like every couple of months. And you were like, okay, wicked. Mm. I'm pleased for you, but now I have to work really late and you know cheers, yeah guys <laughs> uh, but no march 10th uh that's exciting i've only i've only heard the two songs but i i i really like them
0: oh that's nice yeah we're looking forward to having it out there and and, and to be honest with uh with, with the other records it's always felt like day one of the album in many ways is the day it comes out everything that has come from the album always comes after you know we've never been the sort of band that everything is in place uh months before you know the album and the music is very much the thing that everything comes from
1: with us all right well listen it's been so nice to chat reese and um good luck with
0: it yeah thanks very much yeah
1: well that was a bonus episode of the james mcmahon music podcast thanks to reese for the chat thanks to ben Ayers for hooking us up the theme tune is by the band jobbers and i'll see you soon
0: Thank you.